Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. Say, I take eyes to see, I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Amen. You may be seated. Open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 6. Happy fall to you today. Hopefully it'll feel like fall soon. It doesn't yet. But today we bring, begin our Faith and Family in the Fall series. So every fall we take time to teach about faith, family, and relationships. And we believe that God's going to do tremendous things in our relationships, in our families, in our marriages, among our kids in this series. Amen? And so the series we're doing this year is called House of Faith. The House of Faith. So Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. When you get there, say, I'm in the house of faith. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. And it says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. One of the things Paul's referring to as believers as the household or the house of faith But if we as a collective group of believers, we come to faith, are the house of faith, how much more are we the house of faith or should we be the house of faith in our own home? We are to live by faith. Let me say it again. We are to live by faith. So I want you to say this to me. Say, we are building building our family, our our house, our our church, church, by faith faith, and on faith. We are the house of faith, and we are better together because we are faith. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we'll start with verse 38. Hebrews chapter 10, we'll start with verse 38. Now the just shall what? How many of you are the just? If you're born again, you've been made just. You've been made righteous. The blood of Jesus has made you not guilty. So if you're born again, this is you. You are to live by faith. But if any man draw back or backs away from faith, it goes backward, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not them that draw back and go backward unto perdition or destruction but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Faith is a lifestyle. This is how we live. This is not our get-out-of-jail-free card. We're not just supposed to use faith when we're in trouble or use faith when we really need something from God. We're supposed to live by faith. This means everything we do should be rooted in faith, not just churchy things, not just churchianity. Everything we do should be rooted in faith. 
Faith permeates every area of our lives, including our finances, our politics. If you're single, how you date. If you're married, how you do your marriage, how we relate to one another, how we handle our relationships, and how we raise our children. Faith has to be rooted in every single thing we do. Some things, if we're very honest, we do on the basis of faith, but some things we don't even think about faith because we do the things we saw. So when we get to this later on the series, when you're raising your kids, are you raising them by faith or are you raising them by fear? Think about a simple example. Now, don't run out across the street because I'm afraid that you get hit by a car. Whoa, 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 that's not faith. You're teaching fear. Now, we don't want them running across the street. Why do you have to add, because I'm afraid to be hit by a car? Don't, run, don't go across the street because it's not safe. You wait for me. What are you teaching them? Faith or fear? Well, it's dangerous out there to be a black man. What are you teaching them? Oh, y'all get quiet on that one. Well, you know, you're not going to get paid fair because you're a woman in corporate America. What are you teaching them? We have to make sure everything we do, even when it comes to raising our children, is by and rooted in faith. But the thing is, if faith to use only religious belief or what denomination you are, you've missed what faith is. So you have to have a firm understanding of what faith is in order to root and ground your decision-making and how you, if you're single, how you date and how you raise your kids. If you're married, how you're married, how the things you do, how you do your finances. It's all by faith. Even when it comes to election season, it's by faith. Y'all get quiet unless y'all don't know what I'm going to say. Like I told you during the presidential election, I didn't care who elected because Jesus is still on the throne. Because I told you, you go vote. You research, you pray, you follow your heart, and you vote, and you better pray. That's what I told you to do then. That's what I tell you to do now. Governor's election, same advice. We don't vote off of fear. Well, three of you know that. Don't vote because you're afraid that if you don't vote, someone else is going to win. So notice your voting is now based in fear, not in faith. You can cast your ballot. Whoever you're casting your ballot for, donkeys, elephants, independents, whoever, as you cast your ballot, say, Father, this is my seed. This is who I believe is the best choice. And no matter if they win, I know you got me. So now I'm voting by faith. And it doesn't matter who wins or what happens. I am building my house on faith. So even if something happens in this area or in this nation because of who was elected, it doesn't have an effect on my house because my house is built and rooted in faith and the blood of Jesus covers. So even if destruction comes, it has to pass over my house. You have to begin to do this mentality. It don't matter who's in the White House or in the governor's house. It only matters who's in my house, and Jesus is in my house, and my house is covered in the blood. You have to begin to say, stop being so concerned about what the Congress does. Stop being so concerned about what the president does. Stop being so concerned and whining about everything. Be faith, people. Start saying, well, it doesn't matter what they do. It will not negatively affect my house. It won't negatively affect my kids. Why? My God is God, not the Republicans nor the Democrats, not the independents, not the socialists. My God is God. You must be people of faith. We say we are faith for multiple reasons, but one of the reasons is we are faith people. We can't just be faith people on Sundays. We got to be faith people every day. So in order to what we're doing, our goal in this series is teach how to build a successful, faith-filled family in today's generation. 
In order to do that, we must have a correct understanding of faith. Now go to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We look at verse 20. And I'll just if you can grab me my example for today. Mark chapter 11. We are faith people. See, I've made a decision where politics are concerned and, you know, all the backbiting between Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. Y'all aren't going to strip me up. I'm not going to be stressed. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be bothered. I'm not going to be caught up in your drama. I choose to live above. And see, also when it comes to that, I'm not going to be caught up in Christian turbulence either. Where the church is going back and forth. I choose to live above Christian turbulence. I choose to live above the drama that's on the news and all the political drama. Why? I'm living my faith. We have to be faith people. So Mark chapter 11, verse 20. Thank you, sir. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Why? We'll talk about it probably later in the series. Jesus spoke to it. And Peter, calling to remember, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you curses wither away. He had to call Jesus' attention to it because Jesus, in his mind, said, when I spoke to it, it was done. So he wasn't even looking for proof. He says, when I said it, it was done. So he's walking by, and Peter says, hey, what you did actually worked. And Jesus answered and said unto him, have faith in God. What did he say? Now, I want you to think about what you just said with this example. So if I came up to you and said, would you like a cookie? Go ahead, take one. Would you like a cookie? That sounds one way, right? But if I walked up to you and said, have a cookie. Do you notice the difference? One was a suggestion. One was a command. See, y'all like high-calorie examples, so let me keep going. So let's see to make sure you guys get this. So if I walked up to you and said, would you like a cookie? Takes a cookie. But I went up to you and said, have a cookie. You would take it. Right? Jesus said, have faith in God. That wasn't a suggestion. That was a command. That's why today's message is called, have a cookie. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a divine command from our Lord and Savior, the supreme in authority, Jesus Christ. Have faith in God. Well, what about the president? Have faith in God. What about the Congress? Have faith in God. What about the Supreme Court? Have faith in God. What about the Supreme Court nomination? Have faith in God. What about Wall Street? Have faith in God. What about the economy? Have faith in God. What about the elections? Have faith in God. What about my relationships? Have faith in God. What about my children? Have faith in God. What about my job? Have faith in God. What about my doctor's report. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Now, would you like to have some faith? It's a divine command. Have faith in God. In order to be faith people, we must have faith in God. It's not an option. 
It's our lifestyle. Go to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. You see, when we look to study Jesus in the gospel, sometimes it seems like Jesus catches an attitude about faith. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And he, Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow is getting on my nerves, and she won't shut up, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she gets on my last nerves. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge says. Now, this judge is what? Unjust. How many can see this? Not true. Unjust judge, right? But notice what Jesus says, and shall not God. God is not an unjust judge. He is a just judge. So he said, if an unjust judge would avenge the widow, shall not God, the just judge, avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Remember, the purpose of this parable is that people pray all the time and don't get tired of praying. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. So the just judge will avenge you when you pray. He has heard your prayers when you're praying based on the word of God and praying in faith. God has heard you and he's taking care of it. So he says, keep praying. Don't give up your prayers. But notice how Jesus ends. Nevertheless, knowing that God is a just judge who hears your prayers and who will avenge you speedily. When the son of man comes, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? We live in the end time. The end time is a sliver of time at the end of the last days. The last days began with the ministry of Jesus. We are living at the end of the last days. So one of the things you see here is Jesus saying that in the end time, there will be a great temptation for people to depart from living by faith. Everything, every attack the enemy throws at you, one of the root purpose is to get you to stop living by faith. Everything he does through the world systems is to get you away from faith. So Jesus wants to know when he comes back, will he find faith on the earth? Well, I want to say at Faith Christian Center, he's going to find some faith in this house because we are the house of faith. God is the just judge. He hears us and he avenges us speedily. Go to Matthew 14. Have faith in God. Matthew 14. Matthew 14, verse 23. And when he, Jesus, had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. By the, but the ship that the disciples and his team were in were now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, about 3 a.m., Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. They said, ah, it's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But straightway, immediately, Jesus spake unto them, be of good cheer. Jesus always stopped in fear and action. You see someone that says, do not fear. He doesn't want fear to be a part of the believer's life. Because fear tolerated is faith contaminated. 
be of good cheer, be brave. It is I, do not be afraid. Another divine command. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's really you, bid me come unto you on the water. Ain't that what you said? Come on. Now, why is this what Peter asked for? We have no idea. He could have said, Jesus, if it's really you, what's the secret password? How many fingers am I holding up behind my back, Jesus, if it's really you? But for whatever reason, he said, I, tell me to come walk to you on the water. So Jesus said, come on. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. A lot of people was like, well, Peter sank. Well, at least he walked on water. All the other disciples kept their happy selves on the boat. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. So at one point he was afraid, at one point he was not afraid. So what happened? The wind was always boisterous because it says earlier the wind was contrary. His attention shifted. He stopped looking at Jesus and he started looking at the wind and the waves. And he began to sink. He didn't sink all the way, he began. He's now even more afraid. He says, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. So either he was already close to Jesus and lost his attention when he got to the last point, or he was far away and Jesus supernaturally got to where he was. It didn't matter. You start walking by faith, they begin to sing, Jesus is always going to catch you. Just call that name. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, thou of little faith. We'll get to that moment. Why did you doubt? Sometimes we just read, oh, why didst thou doubt? No, 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 Peter. Why did you doubt? You know me by now. We've been in this thing a long time now. You seem miraculous again and again and again. You heard me teach you again and again and again. You've been with me again and again and again. Knowing all that we know, knowing our background, knowing the time we spent together, why did you doubt? Why did you lose confidence? Why did you chicken out? And he walks him back to the boat. But he told Peter, you of little faith. So it only took little faith to walk on the water. But I don't want you to think about it as a little, little faith as an amount today. I want you to think about it as a span of time. Oh, you of little burst of faith. Because when Peter had a burst of faith, he walked on the water. But where his faith ended, doubt came in. When doubt came in, he became afraid, and then he began to sink. So Jesus even talked about the fear. He says, why did you doubt? Because the doubt led to the fear. Because if you had stopped the doubt, you never would have been afraid. Oh, you have a little burst of faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you cut off your faith? See, some people have faith. But how long does your faith last? What makes you give up on your faith? That's what Jesus says, well, I find faith when I come back. Yeah, you started out in faith. You had faith on Sunday, but we have faith on Monday morning. How long does your faith last? Or do you have a little short burst of faith? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by what? And what? By the word of God. There's no such thing as faith that doesn't come. Faith always comes. Anytime you hear the word, you read the word, faith is coming into your heart. Faith is a precious commodity. 
Because we're faith people, we should always be working to grow our faith, which means we should be in the Word every single day. We should have time where we're reading the Word of God every single day. One of the things I encourage members here to do is read at least one chapter out loud every single day. And then listen to at least one message preached every single day while you're growing in faith. And faith is coming into your heart. If you keep building, there is a point where faith overflows. Because imagine if faith was just like a little dropping of water. And if you're, what you needed for your miracle was this cup full. If it's a little drop of water, it's going to take some time. But eventually... It'll be there. Now, how many drops does it take a cup of water to overflow? Just one. Just one. Because once it's full, it overflows. Remember the year fullness, overflow, and glory. Faith also boils over. You put a kettle or a pot of water on the stove, it's not going to boil immediately. But eventually, if you keep it there, it will. And so if you're boiling and some water, you don't just cut it off. Oh, it's not boiled in one minute. This boiling stuff doesn't work. The laws of heat just don't work. You know, I know it has to be 100 degrees and over, but it should boil right now at room temperature. This heat stuff just don't work. No, it does. You just don't give enough time. Faith and patience in here is a promise. Faith and endurance. Faith boils over. Faith overflows. You have to give faith time, and you have to build your faith. And you have to make sure you're putting your faith in God. It says have faith in God, not have faith in your flesh or have faith in people. See, think about it this way. See, my mom, I remember growing up, my mom has been a, a huge fan of I Love Lucy. And so there was this episode in I Love Lucy where Lucy and Ethel were building, I believe it was like a grill or something, I think, outside. And they wanted to build it brick by brick, putting the semen in. And so, you know, Ricky was telling her, you know, you need to protect your wedding ring. But she decided to put it outside and leave it there in a place that wasn't safe for it. And so Ricky's like, oh, I'm going to teach her a lesson. I'm going to take that ring and put it somewhere else. Much to his chagrin, she took apart that grill and never found the ring. And we know Lucy's Lucy, and it was a funny ending. But think about this in real life. Is by the grill where there's wet cement a good place for something as precious as a wedding ring? No. See, a lot of people say they lost their faith in God because they went to church and church people didn't treat them right. Is something as precious and valuable as faith in God appropriately placed in people? You took what was precious and valuable and put it in the wrong place. Put it where it belongs in God. Because if you lose your faith in God because of what some man or woman did, your faith wasn't in God. Your faith was in people. People are flawed. People are human. People have issues. Put your faith in the only perfect one. The only safe place for your faith is in God. That's why Jesus said, have faith in God. God, the divine command. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. Have faith in God. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. 
Faith builds. It's like a muscle. And our resident trainer can verify on this. If this is your first day going to the gym, especially in years, please don't put 400 pounds on the rack and you're going to try to bench press. See, there it goes. You will be in the healing line on Sunday. Why don't you do that? You haven't built the muscles necessary to lift that. The trainer approves. Faith builds. You must build your faith. See, a lot of people, oh, I'm believing for a million dollars. You haven't built your faith to pay your rent yet. Start there. There's a starting place for everybody. Doesn't matter where you start, just don't stay there. Faith builds. Faith boils over. Faith overflows. People give up on faith too soon because they reach the point, well, my faith should have worked by now. You don't know all the things your faith is doing. See, some people start building their faith, but they're in so much sin, they can't get the miracle because they're in all this offense and forgiveness is blocking the blessing. And so your faith is getting you to live right first before it can even give the blessing to you, and you give up on faith before you even half acting right. Faith builds. Faith overflows. You have to build your faith. This is not an overnight get-rich-quick scheme. See, we live in a generation where we're all used to things happening right now, and you can't say, oh, it's the kids. No, it's all of us. Everybody alive right now. We have microwaves. We expect things to happen right now. People are like, well, why should it take hours to cook something? Take me two minutes and 30 seconds. Let's go. Hot pockets. Let's do this. We live in an age of instant downloads on the Internet. We're a long way from the 90s when you had the AOL disc come in the mail. And it took forever for you to connect online. And some of you who were involved in illegally downloading music back then, it took you forever to download your song. <laughs> You're praying over your download. No viruses, Jesus. No viruses, Jesus. No viruses. Let me download Tupac and Biggie with no viruses, Jesus. <laughs> but you were willing to wait because that's what you knew. But now when everything's going like this... When your faith doesn't go like this, you complain. Most people's faith isn't built up to get things like this. And there's some miracles that take time, that take endurance. You have to build your faith. You have to let your faith overflow. You have to let your faith boil over. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, We have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. I'll say this to you about faith. If you're not talking about what you're believing for, you ain't in faith. Because faith affects your speech. And so if faith hasn't affected what you're saying, you're really not in faith yet. Because if you're in faith, they're going to start talking about it. Doesn't mean you talk to everybody about it. Please don't cast your pearls before swine. But it's at least going to affect your faith around faith people and your morning devotions. What are you saying every day? What's coming out your mouth? You become the prophet of your own life. You don't like where your life is today? Change what you've been saying. And don't just change it on Sunday. Change it every day. Because some of you are living in decades worth of running your mouth. 
I don't know why this is in my mouth. Well, look what you've been saying the last 30 years. Well, I'm an American. I can say what I want to do. That's why you have your American way of life. But if you want the kingdom, you need to talk like the kingdom. You can have what you say. And that's the problem with a lot of people. They have what they say. Faith has to affect what you say. You need to say things in line with the word of God. The spirit of faith believes and speaks. If you believe, you need to talk about what you're believing. Faith has to affect your speech in your everyday life because we live by faith. Some people pray too soon. Like, what do you mean, Pastor? People pray too soon. When it comes to releasing your faith and your belief for something, a faith project, you just shoot out a prayer because you learned the prayer of faith, but is your faith ready to receive it? Why don't you take some time on certain things, build your faith a little bit? Let your faith boil over. There's some things I'm believing for to do on this pro- property, but I need to build my faith on for some of these things. Because some of these bills, they're they some bills. <laughs> like, oh, pastor, oh, it's gonna, this, uh, your plan is great. It's only going to cost this much. Mm-hmm. You know, Minister Kurt handles a lot of purchasing stuff for me. And so he brought me something. Someone proposed, and I looked at it, and I had a bishop moment. Because I looked at it, and I said, what are they smoking? <laughs> you know, I'm like, must be some good stuff. They need to get delivered. So what you need to do is before you believe for something big, build your faith. Set your faith towards it. Go over scriptures concerning it all the time. Because what are you doing when you're doing your faith confessions, your healing confessions, your prosperity confession, wisdom confessions? What are you doing? You're building faith in your heart, but now you're doing what Hebrew says. You're working to stay in rest. Because if you rest, your faith will work. You keep going over the scriptures like that, you are fighting the good fight of faith, a fight to stay in rest. So now you're not stressing. You're not panicking. You're not in anxiety. You're at peace. But that's a process. That's an everyday process, a multiple times a day process, not something that happens overnight. Oh, Pastor, I just want if you could lay hands on me and give me faith. That's not how it works, baby. It's a process. You need to build your faith. And I wish, you know, people would lay hands on others and we can supernaturally get six-pack of muscles. You know, this doesn't happen that way. <laughs> you know, there's some meals I eat, and there's some friends of mine who are just super fit. I, I, I tried to say, like, Father, can you give them my calories? <laughs> this burrito that I'm about to eat that has cheese overflowing, Father, can you give it to my friend right there? But it doesn't work like that. Same way with your faith. You need to build your faith. He didn't say, Pastor, have faith in God for your congregation. He told the believer, have faith in God. Faith builds. Faith boils over. Faith overflows. Go to Matthew chapter 7. You must build your faith. You must have faith in God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Yes, the written Word of God. Yes, things that God says to your heart. But also think the Word of God is communication. There are friends you have, and you listen to them enough, you believe what they say. You listen to God enough, you'll believe what he says. Because you have confidence and faith because of his word and your relationship with him. It's not just a group of laws of faith. It's also relationship. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine, pause, 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or the sayings of Jesus, the word of God. Yeah, so they heard the saying, so faith has come in their heart, right? So these are people who have received faith, right? And does them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine, do they hear the words of Jesus? Did faith come into their heart? So they had faith just like the other people, right? And does not do them, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Both groups had faith. Only one group acted upon their faith. Now notice in this parable, what is the foundation of this house? What is the rock in this parable? How many would say the rock is the word of God? How many would say that? How many is like, I don't know what Pastor's about to say. Come on, answer my questions. <laughs> How many of you say the rock is the word of God? It's not true. You're not supposed to build your life on the book. You're supposed to build your life on hearing what the book says and doing it. People have faulty foundations because they heard the word and never did it. Well, I'm standing on the word of God. No, you're not. You're not standing on the word unless you're actually doing the word. Well, I've been hearing the word for decades, but what, what word have you done for decades? Well, I remember when Charles Cap first came and preached faith. Well, that's great, but did you do what that man of God said? Well, I remember when Oral Roberts talked about how to release your faith, but did you do what that man of God said? Well, I remember when Marilyn Hickey came and did a seminar, but did you do what that woman of God said? It's not about always what you heard. It's about what have you done for me lately? What faith have you acted upon lately? When's the last time you did something about faith on purpose? See, y'all have confidence. You have faith. Y'all sat down on these chairs and had faith that it was going to hold you up. You weren't concerned about whether this chair holds you up based upon what you ate yesterday. You believe this chair is strong enough to carry you in every single meal you had. So you can use your faith. You just need to use your faith on purpose when it comes to the things of God. You must have faith in God. Some of you have faith in your car. You believe when you put the key in, it's going to start. Other you, you have faith in God that your car is going to start. <laughs> or faith in chances. Depends on the person. Lord. Mm. Shilada bakata. Mm. Yes, I did it, Jesus. Use your faith on purpose. Build your faith. Faith overflows. Faith boils over, but you must be in a continual place of hearing the word and doing the word for your faith to grow. James, Jesus' little brother said in James chapter 2, verse 17, even so, faith, if it has not worked, is dead being alone. The Amplified Classic Edition says this way, so also faith, if it does not have works, deeds, and actions of obedience to back it up, by itself it is destitute of power and operative and dead. Faith that is not acted upon has no power and is useless. If you never act on your faith, it doesn't matter how much faith you got. A woman came up to Oral Roberts and said, I, had all, I have all the faith in the world. And Oral said, that is your problem. You never released it. Well, I built my faith, but are you using it? Because if you don't use it, it has no power. Have you acted upon it? See, faith has to expect, affect your speech patterns. It has to affect your mouth, but it has to affect your lifestyle. 
Well, I'm believing for a brand new job in this area. Have you researched that field? Are you prepared? What are you believing for? Can we tell by your mouth and can we tell by your actions? Go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Faith must affect your speech patterns. Faith must affect your actions. Faith builds. Faith boils over. Faith overflows. And Jesus said, have faith in God. So your faith in God must build. It must overflow. It must boil over. You must act upon your faith in God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Above all, or in front of all, as it's also translated, taking the shield of faith. The Roman shield looks like what our new faith shield looks like. Wherewith you shall be able to quench or ricochet all the fiery darts of the wicked. In front of your spiritual armor, you're supposed to have the shield of faith. They're supposed to keep it out there. Many people have spiritual burn wounds because they put their faith down. They're wondering, why are these attacks of the enemy hitting them? Why do they feel all this spiritual burning? What's going on? You put your faith down. Christian, you can't afford to put your faith down. There's an enemy firing arrows every single day trying to get you to fall. But if your faith in God is down, your tail's on fire. And that Holy Ghost fire like we talked about last week. Or I'm on fire, but that's not Jesus' fire. It's the hellfire, y'all. Because you've been hit by those arrows. Because you put your shield down. So you can't just have your shield in church. I'm glad you have your shield in church, but great. Yay. (laughs) Whoopee. Well, I have my shield in heaven. What's the point of having a shield in heaven? Satan's not up there. You need your shield now. You need to know how to use your shield on Monday. When crazy comes into your office, you need to know how to have your shield up. You need to know how to have your shield up when cuckoo comes in Monday afternoon. You need to have to go, mm, 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 not today. Mm. You can't afford to put your shield down. You must keep your faith working because it has defensive capabilities. Go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Faith has defensive capabilities. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. You must keep your faith out there. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Then he said unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom, it, to whom they came. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and cast into the sea, that he should offend one of these little ones, children or young believers. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So notice Jesus talking about forgiveness, and he says, offense will come. Jesus, that's a part of life. You can't pray offenses away. Offense will come. But notice Offense is an event. Offended is a choice. Offense is an event. Offended is a choice. Offense will come, but you don't have to be offended. 
And Jesus says, if a person says seven times in a day, forgive me, you are to forgive them. In another place, Peter says, I forgave my brother seven times. Now, you have to imagine Peter saying this because, you know, Peter has a big mouth. But you have to forget his brother was also one of Jesus' disciples. This is awkward. Andrew, come here. Jesus, I forgave this dude seven different times. Can I smack some faith into him right now? Can I light him up? And she said, no, not seven times, seven times 70. And Peter goes, uh, dude, just get away from me for now. Seven times 70. So when Jesus is teaching this lesson to his disciples, what do they say? And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Because it's going to take faith to forgive these people, they're thinking. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by what he has come from the field, go and sit down to meat, and will not rather say unto him, make ready where I may sup and gird yourself and serve me until I've eaten and drunk, and afterwards you shall eat and drink. Notice here, Jesus compares faith to a servant. He says, if a servant's working out in the field, comes back in because it's finished his job, are you going to say, well, just chill out? Or are you going to want to eat your dinner first before you tell them to chill out? What's the message here? Don't call your faith back until it's done doing its job. Don't call your faith back until it's done doing its job. Too many people don't receive their miracle because they call their faith back too soon. Yeah, you were in faith for a week, maybe two weeks, maybe for a month. But, oh, it didn't happen, so you took a day off your believing. You took a day off your faith confessions. Now that's a day delay in your miracle. Faith hasn't worked yet, so I'm going to stop. You forget the story of Daniel. That when he was believing and interceding for 21 days, the first day he prayed, God heard him send an angel to help with his answer. And when the angel finally showed up three weeks later, he says, the demonic spirits over this area resisted me. But as you kept praying, God sent Michael to help me. And we broke through, and here we are with your answer, but God heard you on the first day. You forget there is a spiritual war going on. There are things trying to resist you. But you're supposed to outlast their resistance. It says, resist the devil and he will flee. Well, how long do I need to resist the devil, pastor? Till he runs. If he didn't run away, keep resisting. Well, he's never running, then you ain't really resisting. And he said, just resist on Sunday morning. It says, resist. Keep your faith out there. Faith is a servant. Don't call your faith back until it's done doing its job. Don't let up on your faith till you receive exactly what you're believing for. And don't negotiate where your faith is concerned. God sent Moses to let my people go. And Pharaoh said, hey, well, how about we let the part of your people go, but y'all leave your money? Or how about you leave your kids, but y'all can go? Okay, no. You leave the men, but everybody else can go. The enemy negotiates, trying to get you out of the fullness of your promise and of your covenant rights. Do not negotiate with the joker who is under your feet. Stay on your faith until you get everything. If Jesus promised you everything, then you need to stay in faith until you receive everything. Well, how long do I have to stay in faith? Till you get it. Stop putting it on days. Just say, well, I'm going to be in faith until I get it. How long are you ready to outlast the enemy? One day past Satan's ready to fight. You must keep your faith out there as a shield. You must utilize faith as a servant. Don't call it back until it's done doing its job. But Jesus continues. And does he think that's ever because he does the things of commandment? I troll not. So likewise. So now he adds something to it. 
when he has done all these things which are commanded you, in this part, passage, what is he talking was commanded? Forgive everybody of everything, right? Say, so we are unprofitable servants. We have done what is our duty to do. So notice he's the mentality when it comes to forgiving people. Don't think you're getting some big reward because you forgave someone that got on your nerves. That's what you're supposed to do. Jesus, I forgave someone. Whoopee. Good job. Keep going. This is what you're supposed to do. You're Christians. Ephesians 4.32 says, forgive others as God has forgiven you. We're supposed to forgive freely because we've been forgiven freely. People who don't believe God has forgiven them have a hard time forgiving others. You must believe that you are forgiven, that your sin debt was canceled, that when God sees you, he doesn't see some old sinner saved by grace. He sees saved by grace, washed in the blood of the Lamb, as pure and as perfect as Jesus Messiah is himself, that God is not going to bring up your past. God's not going to bring up your sin. Why? He sees you just like Jesus. And if he forgave you that way, you have to forgive others that way. Because faith will not work in an unforgiving heart. Some people don't have miracles in their life because they're full of bitterness and unforgiveness. And they call their bitterness wisdom. And they pass off their wisdom with others, inspiring you to be bitter, inspiring you to get ratchet sometimes because this is what you got to do to survive in today's world. If that's how you're going to live according to the world, then that's what you got to do. But if you're going to be kingdom people that live by faith, then you have to forgive everybody of everything. You have to make a choice that I'm going to do what the Bible says, whether it's popular or not, or whether I want to or not. I'm going to do what Jesus says because if you're always doing what you want to do, you are your own God. If the Bible never contradicts what you want to do, then I question the version of your Christianity. Have faith in God. Hear the word, do the word. Build your faith. Let your faith overflow. Let your faith boil over. Forgive everybody of everything. That includes politicians. You must forgive Republicans of everything. You must forgive Democrats of everything. You must forgive politicians on Twitters of everything. Stop getting offended. Just know something crazy is coming. Sometimes you can set your watch by it. Do, do, do. Oh, there's a tweet. Make a decision in advance. I forgive. You are not offending me. Forgive the media. Forgive news reporters. I ain't getting offended by y'all. Mm-mm. I forgive. Oh, looks like y'all about to say something trifling. I forgive you in advance. You walk into certain places. You see people who are bothering. I forgive them in advance. You need to practice forgiveness. Whatever you practice, you'll begin to perfect. One of the things is, you know, when I practice this, I remember one time I went into a restaurant, and we're just sitting there, me and my wife and some friends of ours, we're just eating, and there's a table next to us there turning up, not with the Holy Ghost, but with the help of some other spirits, <laughs> drinking and everything, and they weren't bothering me, but, you know, I'm in the habit, I'm practicing forgiveness. Like, Father, I forgive them. They're not bothering me. I forgive them. I want you to forgive them for whatever's going on in their life. And you know what? All of a sudden, they all got quiet and calm. I didn't say this out loud. I just said it under my breath. And they're like, you know what? We should all go home. And they all left. <laughs> and I said it loud enough for my table to hear and knew what I did. And they're like, look at that. I said, yeah, I forgave them of everything. See, forgiveness will cancel out things the enemy can do. Yes. See, because if you walk in unforgiveness and bitterness, you are opening up portals to hell where demons can just pour in. And have a mess of your life because there's doors open in your life of unforgiveness and bitterness. 
And now you wonder why your faith is not working. Why is this fight so strong? It's not because you're just a threat to the enemy. It's because you open the door. You know, how many of you like being bit by mosquitoes? No? Yeah. Don't, I don't either. But you can fight against mosquitoes all day long. But if you're in your house and you leave every window open with no screen, every door open, they're going to come and visit you. They come bite you, go away, sing it. There's power in the blood. <laughs> but in order to keep the mosquitoes out, you need to short, shut your door and shut your windows. Shut the door, keep out the devil. Forgive everybody of everything. Keep the door to hell closed. Oh, I don't know why my child is dealing with this. Well, maybe you opened the door through your unforgiveness. Have you forgiven your mother-in-law yet? Have you forgiven your parents yet? Have you forgiven that person yet? I remember Brother Hagen telling stories about a, a child who was dealing with some serious disease, and it was afflicted by an evil spirit, and they brought the person for Dad Hagen to pray for him. He began to stop, and he said, you need to go forgive your mother-in-law. This demon has a right to do this to the child because of your unforgiveness towards that person. And when you get that right, the demon can't do anything. And so when she asked for forgiveness and got that situation right and let it go, healing power came to that child. The demon came back, tried to give that child a seizure one more time, and she said, uh-uh, I'm walking in forgiveness. And that spirit left and never messed with that child again. Decades free from that. But what opened the door to that chronic illness? Unforgiveness. Even certain medical studies will say, talk about how bitterness and unforgiveness will make you sick. You have to forgive everybody of everything because that's what Jesus said. And forgiveness is for you. you Got to let it go. When you forgive people, you cancel their debt towards you. So well, I'll forgive them when they apologize. What if they never apologize? So you can stay in sin until they apologize? You need to make a decision. I forgive them right now. You forgive by faith, not by emotion. Well, Pastor, it didn't work because I didn't feel like it. You're, certain things you're never going to feel like forgiving. You make a decision, oh, I forgive them by faith. I let this go. They don't even have to apologize to me. And you make that decision right now before God, God counts that. So what about tomorrow? I get angry at them all again. Just remind yourself you forgave them. What if I see them and my hand balls into her fist? Remind yourself you forgave them and back away. <laughs> don't test your faith that day. Don't get close. Love them from a distance. Some of you need to build your faith for Thanksgiving because you have that certain uncle who's going to get on your nerves. You have that certain aunt that's going to run her mouth. Build your faith in, in advance. Forgive them in advance. And don't test your love walk. Go to the dinner and say, well, I have to get back because, you know, Pastor really needs to see me on church Sunday morning. He, he just needs to see my smiling face saying amen. He counseled me saying amen, so I have to be back on Sunday. Blame it on me. But don't put yourself in a place where your faith can't keep you. Build your faith. And choose to forgive everybody of everything. Let's go to Mark eleven twenty three and close here. Mark eleven twenty three. Picking up where we left off, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also which is heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. 
one of the things I want to point out with this passage where I talk about forgiveness is faith can remove any mountain. Mark Hankins says it this way, faith may not be able to prevent every mountain from showing up, but faith can definitely get every mountain removed from your life. When you pray, you must believe that you take what you're praying for when you pray. If when you're praying, by the time you finish praying, if you don't believe that you have it, you won't have it. You're not going to get it. When you pray, you must believe you receive. Another word for receive is to take. So let's say you're praying and believing for a new car. By the time you say amen, you must have taken that car. Now, that car is not going to show up in your bedroom or your apartment room. But in your mind, I have what I prayed for. So if you took it by faith, God just gave it to you, what's the polite thing to do after you say amen? Oh, Father, I thank you for it. And you thank him every day as you're grateful for what he's done until that thing shows up and you thank him some more. When you pray, you must believe you receive. You must take it. When you pray. Same thing, you confess your sins, asking for forgiveness. You take your forgiveness when you pray. You don't believe you're forgiven once you feel better. No, you're forgiven when you confess your sins. And he's faithful just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You believe in for healing. When you pray, you take it. So you stop saying that, oh, this is my arthritis. This is my bad back. Stop claiming stuff. Jesus took it. Why are you claiming stuff he took? Jesus took it, made us his, went to hell, dropped it off there, and left. Stop taking things Jesus took from you. Oh, my cancer, it ain't yours. My bad blood, it ain't yours. My bad heart, it ain't yours. So stop taking that and take healing instead. Oh, it's flu season. I'm thinking I'm taking flu. Stop taking it. Drop it. If you want to drop something like it's hot, drop that. Oh, this is going around. Stop taking it. Oh, I might be catching it. Please don't catch it. Catch healing. Take healing. Take prosperity. Take wisdom. Take deliverance. Take protection. Whatever you're praying for, when you pray, take it. And then thank God for it. One of the ways I lead my daughter in prayer right before she goes to bed, because we talk about there's scriptures about sweet sleep in the Bible. And so I said, have her say at the end of her prayer, Father, you said in your word, you give me sweet sleep because you love me. I take it, I have it, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. What I'm doing, training her spirit to use her faith from the toddler age. And so there's a faith confession. I'll probably get over this faith confession you speak over your children that I've been saying over her since she's born. Now she's a toddler, she's two, so she wants to say it herself. And now she can repeat it. Now some things are clear, some things are not. But what is her spirit doing? Using faith. Training her to use faith. So all she knows is faith. We're not raising her in a house of fear. We're raising her house of faith. You must be faith people. Everything you do must be connected and driven by what you believe. Faith must be the foundation if you're going to have a house of faith. Faith must affect your speech. It must affect your actions. It must affect how you raise your children. It must affect all your relationships. It must affect your finances and your politics. Whatever you do, faith must permeate your whole life because we are faith. And we're building the house of faith by faith and on faith. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart 
Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.